Well, before we jump into the message, I just want to make an appeal. Uh, every year in the month of July, we do one of our biggest series of the year called God at the Box Office. How many people have ever been here for one of those? It's a great time. We see, uh, we see some really incredible attendance. Our attendance goes up about 20 to 40%. We see lots of guests come through. And what we do is we intentionally put together and build an experience that people can come in. And it's not about the movies that we show or we highlight. It's really about Jesus. Um, but we put in a ton of time, effort, resources to make those four weeks happen. It's coming up July 17th. Now, we started doing this when I got here about a decade ago, and every year it just gets bigger and better, and we love what God's doing. The challenge is going from one service to two service to three service, from one campus to two campus to three campus, uh, we build a lot of stuff. And while our staff carries a lot of that responsibility, really, I just want to make an appeal for help. If you are a builder... And uh, doesn't mean like, if you want an instruction on how to use a saw, you're not the guy, you're not that girl. But if you're a builder, like you're comfortable cutting things and like you could, you're creative, we could just use some help. And also not just some builders, but some painters. So if you can paint a straight line, we could just use a little bit of help. We got a ton, a great response, first service. So at the end of this service, if you'd be willing to give a slice of your time, we won't take more than you give us, but we'll use all that you give us. Um, if you'd be willing to help build some of the props and paint some of the props, they're going to be at part of our campuses. And you will have a part in seeing literally hundreds of guests reach with the gospel of Jesus. We would love it. See me at the end of the service. If you're watching this in Shoals or Lawrenceburg, catch the campus pastor at the front of the worship centers at the end of service. And we'll take your name and someone will get in touch with you this week. And we'll get together and get the ball rolling. It's going to be great. If nothing else, begin to pray that God uses us to see thousands of people come to Jesus in the summer. Let's go. Well, listen, I want to jump in with a, a pretty profound and big question. I want everybody here just to think about. I'm going to give you a minute to uh, wrestle through it. And here's the question. What is the most important thing in your life? Now, that's a big question. Probably when I ask it, what is the most important thing? What is the priority in your life that you're pursuing? I would imagine if someone would ask me that question, immediately some things begin to rise to the surface. It probably doesn't take you a lot of time to think of some immediate answers. If someone was to corner me and ask me that question, hey, Pastor Steve, what is the most important thing in your life? Immediately, I would say my wife, she's up there. I would say my family, uh, my calling as a pastor is, is, is a big part of who I am. It's a big part of my life. But here's what's crazy is notice I can't really say just one. It's almost like it's multi-layered. And so I'm just curious if I were to ask you, hey, what's the most important thing? in your life? What is the priority that you're pursuing in life? Now, that question is not a new question. In fact, there are lots of studies done. That question is asked in surveys and resources, and sociologists ask that question on a regular basis. And the answers are always very similar. In fact, the top six answers that continue to pop up when someone is asked, what is the most important thing in your life? What is the priority that you're pursuing? People say things like this, friends, family, Purpose, peace, health, and love. Like those are the big six. If I name maybe what would be on your radar, raise your hand at all of our can. Like your, your priority, your purpose, the thing you're pursuing, what's most important is relationship, is friends, is family, love, purpose, peace. Come on, y'all lazy on me. Come on, help me, help me out. Help me help you. Right, I think a lot of us would agree, but again, it's hard to narrow down just one, but here's maybe what is more interesting is maybe your question is, or your answer is similar to mine, and maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your friend, your family, is when you start to name those big six that are common for a lot of people, 
I think you have to dig a little deeper below the surface. And what I mean by that is if, for example, you would say your purpose or peace is important to you, that that's what you're pursuing. Here's the question is, where does peace come from? Where does purpose come from? If you were to say love or relationship, like your spouse or your family, if you were to say love is one of the priorities or the most important thing in your life, here's the question is, who defines love? Who defines what it looks like for you to love people? And what, who defines what it looks like for them to love you? Is it whatever, whatever bone they want to toss you that they define love? Is that love? I think what you'll find is as you dig into the answer of the question, what is most important in life for you and for me, you can't really give the big six. You have to go down deeper. And I think at least what I want to propose today is what you'll find is, is beneath the dirt, if you dig down and you get to the foundation, is I believe that God is the foundation of all of those answers. God is the one who is the key and the source of all of those answers. What I mean by that is, is God is the one who's created. God is the one who defines. God is the one who amplifies. God is the one who uses all of those things. Family was God's idea. Love, God is love. God, purpose and peace come from the creator of the universe, which means while there are things that are priorities in our life and things that we're pursuing, at the end of the day, if you really want to experience those things, you got to make God the priority in the purpose of your life. Come on, that's, if you make him the purpose, you make him the priority, I think those things shake out. So today for week three of this series, we started a couple weeks ago entitled The Box. I wanna talk about the priority of the box. Can we just say that together? The priority of the box. Now, if you're new here today, this is your first time in this series or first time tuning in. This conversation on the box is a conversation on this piece of furniture that God commanded Moses to build that was central to worship to Old Testament, the nation of Israel. It was this box. It's known again as the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark of His presence, um, the Ark of Yahweh. Uh, so it's this box. It was about four foot long, two foot wide, two foot high. It was wood overlaid with gold and had a solid gold lid. In week one, we just talked about that the purpose of the box primarily was it was a symbol of God's presence that this group of people, the nation of Israel, they wanted to know that God was with them. And so God instructed them to build this box. And as long as the box was with them, it was this reassurance that the presence of God is with us. No matter where they went, like God is with me. In fact, here's what God said in, in uh, the book of Exodus. God told Moses, he said, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. So God says, I, I, I wanna be with you and I want you to be with me which is really kind of, kind of crazy because the God we serve is so much bigger than a location. God is so much bigger than a box. The God we serve can't be contained in a box, but it was his way of saying, I'm willing to locate myself in your life so you know I'm with you. And so we talked about week one, what it looks like for the presence of the box. Last week, we talked about the power of the box. And today I want to talk about the priority of the box. Do you, do you all see what I'm, I'm doing here? I'm working harder and y'all appreciate me the priority of the box. And so I want to look at a couple of things that happened in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. And there is a, a, we're going to lean into this conversation that happened that God brought the nation of Israel. Some of you guys know this. The nation of Israel were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. And when you are part of a culture for 400 years, you start, you start to take on the attributes of that culture, whether you want to or not. Just a side note, you are much like the political and cultural landscape of the nation we live in, whether you want to or not, because you're a part of the culture. 
It just naturally happens. You absorb and begin to project the culture. And you have, if you don't want to be that, you have to fight that. And so the nation of Israel being slaves in Egypt for 400 years, they began to take on the culture that they were a part of. And so God sends Moses, a rescuer and a deliverer, to bring them out of Egypt and to take them into the promised land. Is anybody thankful for a savior that shows up to rescue us out of our mess and into his promise? And so they come out and the first thing God does is they leave Egypt and they go into the wilderness and they make a pit stop at this place called Mount Sinai. And this is the place for some of you guys who are familiar where God gives Moses the law. Now the law was God's way of saying, Hey, if you're going to be my people, this is what it looks like to live as my people, to talk as my people, to interact as my people. You learn how to live for 400 years in Egypt, but you're not Egyptians anymore. You're my people. And this is what it looks like to be my people. And God gives them the law, all kinds of ways, sacrifices and behaviors and attitudes. But the, one of the primary things that God gives Moses to give his people is the 10 commandments. I'm just curious. Anybody here know all 10? I won't put you on. Anybody here know all 10? You think you know all 10? Anybody know one of them? Okay. Two. It gets, just go with me. Just work this. Oh, I can't. Three, four, five. I'm losing hands. Six. Right. We know some of the 10 commandments. Some of the 10 commandments are things like don't lie. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. We know the 10 commandments, but what I want you to see today as we talk about making God a priority in our life, what does it look like to make God a priority? What I want you to see is the very first commandment that God gave the nation of Israel was this right here. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, verse three. And here's what God told his people. Watch this. Every voice, I want you to read this with me. You shall have no other gods before me. Say that again. You shall have one more time, no other gods. God says, listen, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. Now, here's why that's important. It's because the nation of Egypt, they were polytheists, which means they worshiped all kinds of gods. And based on the need in your life would determine the God you would seek. Based on the situation you were going through, determine the God you would worship, the God you would sacrifice to, the God you would pray to. And so they had taken on this culture that there, were, that there were fertility gods, that if you wanted to get pregnant, you would pray to the fertility god. If you had a harvest or a crop coming in and you wanted a good harvest, that you would make a sacrifice to the harvest god, that if you were sick, you would pray to the healing god. And so the nation of Israel, having been in Egypt, was used to worshiping and sacrificing and seeking all of these multiple gods. And what God was saying is you shall have no other gods from here on out. You're not polytheists you're monotheist. There's not a bunch of gods. There's only one God. I'm your one-stop shop. You got a trouble, come to me. You got a need, come to me. You need healing, come to me. You need wisdom, come to me. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, no other gods. No other gods. He said, I don't want you to have any other gods. Now, this seems easy for us to pull off, doesn't it? Like, I don't imagine anybody's here under heavy conviction, like, oh gosh, I got six gods. That's not good. I shouldn't have six. Because we live in a culture where we don't really operate like that anymore, right? I don't think anybody woke up this morning and before you came to church, you prayed to Ra and you stopped off at the Osiris temple and you made a sacrifice and on Hotep, you like prayed to Hotep. I don't think anybody here has a statue on your dashboard of Ra and a statue of Jesus on the other side. So having no other gods feels for us like, I mean, I, I don't keep all the commands. I don't always really do good, but 
How many of you will feel like you've nailed that one? I, yeah, I mean, I feel, I don't have any other gods. Or do you? See, the question is, what's a God? For the nation of Israel in Egypt, a God was, and a God for us today is, your God is anything you put your hope in. So let me just ask you a question. What is your hope in for your future, for your security, for your strength? If your hope is in anything other than God, then you have other gods. Now for us, again, we don't have statues and idols, Osiris, Kek, Hotep. We don't have all the gods that Egypt had, but for first 21st century America, most of us, the God we worship isn't the God of the Bible. Most of us, the God we worship is the God of the mirror. We worship, I, I trust my strength. I trust my ability. I trust who I am. I trust my resources. Come on, I'm preaching. That's where humility and arrogance comes in. That's why we got to humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God. We need to, ex and allow God to exalt us. Come on, we need to put our hope in him. Everybody shout, no other God. Let's just talk real. Anybody bleeding money in the market right now? Wave, wave, wave at me, all the people who are about to be poor. Wave at me. If you ain't waving at me, you ain't got money, but, but losing 25% of zero, you, you're where you started. You're at zero. I'm, I'm trying. The market is not good. If you don't know, if you have any kind of retirement, the market is, is, uh, is bad. Muy guapo. It's no, no bueno. It's not good. We're bleeding money. I went from a week ago losing 19% to 25.9% when I checked two days ago. It's like a bad car accident. I don't want to look, but I got to look. I just keep logging in my account like it's, it couldn't get any worse. Oh, sweet Jesus, it got worse. Now, listen, is anybody with me? Wave at me if you're losing a little bit of money. Wave at me. Now, again, if you don't have money, you're, you're worth, we're all in the same boat. The point is this, when I started losing money bad, I started panicking about my future. If you're 20 or 30, you, you, you got time in the market to make it up. I'm 50. Some of you are 60 and 70, and, and they're just saying a lot of space. And what happens is you start to panic with fear, and you start to decide politics need to, needs to do something, the feds need to do something, the market needs to do something. Come on, I got Brandon Brown, my guy from Morgan Stanley. I got him on speed. Trade something. I don't know what you need to do. Just do something different. My point is, as we're going through this situation, what is your hope in? Is your hope in Biden? Is your hope in the Fed? Is your hope in the interest rate? Is your hope in the market? I just reached this place a week ago where I decided this. Before I had a job, I had a God who was faithful to provide for me. Before I had an account, I had a God who was faithful to provide. And whether I have an account or no account, there is a God we serve who is Jehovah Jireh, the God, our provider. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Jesus said, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. If you're ever curious, look at the birds of the air. If he takes care of them, how much more valuable are you than one of they? He'll surely take care of you too. What I'm telling you, listen, is what you hope in is who your God is. And so if your hope is in the market or your hope is in money or your hope is in connection, then you are having more than one God. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. God is your one-stop shop. You can put all of your hope, problems, troubles, sins, struggles, and success in him alone. Now, that's easy enough to say, but watch this. What's interesting is God could have said, you shall have no other gods, period, and his point would have been made. What I want you to see this morning as we talk, to, talk about the priority of the box is God very intentionally records in Scripture the last two words of the command. I want us to read one more time. You shall have no other gods. What are those last two words? What is it? You shall have no other gods before me. What God is saying is this right here. The first commandment is to keep God first. 
What God is saying is his commandment isn't just a call of recognition, but a call of position. It's not just to say, okay, there's one God. What God is saying is if you acknowledge who I am, you're going to position me in the right place. Put me at the forefront. That word before, you don't have any other gods before me. It's not like God's saying you can have more than one God, but he's saying, put me out front. Now, here's what's interesting about that is that God gives the nation of Israel this command at this place called Mount Sinai. And when they leave Mount Sinai, I'm going to take you through three stories in the Old Testament quickly. That the nation of Israel, they take God literally. Remember what the box is? The box represents his presence. And they make sure from that moment, okay, God, if you're going to be our God, you're our one-stop shop. You are the one we can come to for whatever season, situation, and struggle of life we're in. They put the box in front of them wherever they went. And I want us to lean in just to, to a couple of stories. Again, we're going to go through them. We're going to go through them pretty quick. God's saying, listen, I, again, I don't, want just, I don't want just recognition. I don't want just, yeah, God, God, you're the God I serve. He said, I want position. I want you to put me first in your life. What does it look like for God to be a priority in your life, in your home, in your business? In your, what does it look like for God to go first? Watch this. Numbers chapter 10, verse 33 and verse 34. Everybody shout Priority says, so they departed from the mountain of the Lord. This is where they were at at Mount Sinai. They were there for about a year after they left Egypt. It says, when they get ready to leave, it says, so they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days and the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Come on, say that with me. What happened? It went before them. you shall have no other gods before me. Where did the ark of the covenant go? It went before them for three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. Come on, somebody. What's, what's going on is, again, they put this box and they're saying, God, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're going to get there. But here's your pro here was your promises. God, if I put you first, you're going to lead the way. Now, one of the things I know in life for me personally and for probably everybody in this room and in Lawrenceburg and Shoals is a lot of times we face situations that we have no idea which direction to go. Do I date that person or that person? Do I, go, do I take that career or that career? Do I go to that campus or that campus? Come on, somebody. Anybody here needs some wisdom, needs some direction or needs some help? What I want you to know is the God you serve, when you put him first in your life, when he has priority and position, his promise is, is to give you direction and destination. He says, if you'll put me first in your life, I will lead you in the path and the way that you need to go. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it would be pretty cool in life with every major decision I needed to make with every decision. Like there was just a pillar of cloud above it. Like which one do I hire? Like just a pillar of cloud showed up on him. Like, you know, hey, <laughs> God, will you, will you just show me, Lord, where to invest my money? And just a pillar of fire shows up above the stock. Like, wouldn't that be cool? This is what God is saying. God is saying, listen, you have to determine who is setting the pace and the place for your life. Everybody in this room, you have a destination that God has for you. There's people he wants you to date, places he wants you to go, things he wants you to do, businesses he wants you to start, decisions that we are all going through. God has not only a place that he wants you to get you, get you to, but he has a pace he wants you to get there. Because what I know in life is it's not always just about going where you need to go, but a lot of times it's the pace. You can be dating the right person and marry them too soon. Can I just get amen? Amen. 
So it's not just about the pace. As long as God is leading the way, he's not just showing us the direction to go, but he's showing us the pace. You just can't get ahead of God. Come on, are you all with me? So what I'm telling you is that when you put God as a priority, when you put him first, God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you get to where you need to go. The big decisions in life that you're not sure about. God says, I'm going to get you there. And the question is, who is currently determining the place and the pace of your life? I have found that oftentimes it's easy to put God last and challenging to put him first. We'll talk to doctors and we'll talk to bankers and we'll talk to friends and we will put out a post on social media and allow people who aren't even, I got 5,000 friends that I have to constantly delete to make room for more friends and people I don't know, people I don't talk to. And it's a shame when people that just like you guys, just like me, you're not really connected to them and you throw out a big life decision. Hey, what do y'all think? Y'all think I should buy this house? Y'all think, listen to me, when you take your, take your direction from the wrong person, you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to go. God promises to be our way maker, to go in front of us and lead us where we need to go. Come on, somebody. And he's making this promise. This is so important. God is, God is offering this trade of security for submission. God, if I'm willing to submit my life to the pace and place you want to go, your promise is that you'll guide and protect me along the way. Anybody here want a little bit of guidance and a little bit of protection in your life? Come on. God is the one who's saying, if you'll put me first, that's what's going to happen. God gets the position, we get the provision. God, you get the position in my life, I get the provision that only you can provide for me. That's a great trade. That's, I'll take that trade all day long. If it's in the stock market, I'll put all my money in it because it, it can only get better. Let's have a moment of silence for the stock market. Lord, you can do lots of things. You are my provider. I would feel better if you use the stock market, but I trust you. Whatever way you want to go, Lord, let it be. So I want you to notice, they take God literally. What does it look like to make God a priority? They're like, wherever we're going, put the box up front. Whatever, whatever we do, make sure the presence of the Lord is first. Because God, you, you, you told us, you commanded us. The first commandment is to put God first. So there's the box. God says, see what happens when I'm first? I'm going to lead you. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you destination. I'm going to give you protection. Watch this next story. We know the story. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. Some of you know this, 40 years, because they don't always follow God. But the goal of God was always not just to get them out of Egypt, but to get them in the promised land. This is such good news for some of you. Do you know God just doesn't want you to stop doing bad stuff? I don't know if you knew it. Jesus didn't come to, to make you not such a horrible person. Jesus said, I've come to give you life into the full, life to the full. God wants you to figure out what joy looks like and peace looks like and purpose looks like and fulfillment looks like. God says, if you'll follow me, you're just not going to let some things go. You're going to pick some things up. You're just not going to get out of Egypt. You're going to get into the promised land. Come on, somebody. I want, the, I want the promise that God has for me. And so here they are. They're standing in the wilderness. They're getting ready to go over into the promised land and watch this story. Joshua chapter three, verse six, Moses is dead. Joshua is now the new military and political leader of the nation of Israel. It says, then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over. Come on, what, what's those next three words? Before the people. You shall have no other gods before me. Joshua said, we're getting ready to go into the promised land. And one thing we know is we got to keep God first. So before anybody else goes in, make sure the Ark goes before the people. Is God's presence before you? And so they go to walk, they go to walk, and some of you know this, there's a river in front of them. It's called the Jordan. 
It says this, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It says it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. But as soon, come on somebody, but I, some of y'all don't believe in the supernatural. I believe we, we serve a miracle working God who can do anything at any time. But as soon as the feet of the priests were carrying the Ark that touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing. It just didn't dry up. It backed up. Come on, somebody. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. So they're standing on, on the river's bank, which crossing a river at any time, I can imagine, can be perilous, no matter how deep it is, no matter how strong its current. But what God's word wants us to know is that this was the harvest time, which meant it was springtime, which meant it was a season that they, got, that they were getting the most rain, which means specifically the river they were getting ready to cross was at its highest point during any time of the year, which is with its most swift currents, which what God is saying is no matter how big your problem is, if you put me first, I can overcome the situation you're going through and I can get you to the other side. The reason some of you are still standing on the bank of your decision is because you're trying to do it in your own strength. I'm just telling you, what would it look like to make God a priority? He can possibly part some waters in front of you and make you get to the place that he has for you. Making room for God's position makes possible God's promises. Come on, somebody. Making room for God's position, putting him first, makes possible God's promises. You will never get to where God wants you to go until you put God first. And when we put God first, anybody here experienced what I'm talking about? You've seen putting God first in your life and God show up and do some incredible. Come on, make some noise if you've seen God do that. And so they get to the other side and then they go about taking the land. So again, the nation of Israel, God gives them instruction. First command, first command is put God first. You'll have no other gods before me. They do that literally as soon as they leave. They put the presence of God first. God leads them. Going into the promised land, they put God first. God parts the river Jordan and they walk across on dry land. They get to the very first city that they have to take. And most of us, we know this story. Some of us, we've been in church, we heard it. It's the walls of Jericho, these huge, ginormous, which is a real word, ginormous walls that are encasing the city of Jericho that they have no physical capacity to take down on their own. But good news, they got the box good news. They not just have the presence, but they know where to position the presence. See, it's not enough to be religious or have a relationship. You need to know where to put the presence of God in your life. Some of you need to speak the name of Jesus over a situation with your kids. Some of us need to put our faith in a season and situation we're going through instead of depending on our strength. Come on, let's put forth the hand of God in our seasons and situations and trust him to make a way. And we know this. Watch. I'm just going to read this story. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites, and no one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, watch, I love this. I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Now, they haven't even fought the fight yet, and God's saying the victory is already yours. How can God promise a victory in the past tense for a fight that hasn't happened yet? Because we serve a God who not only knows, come on, the 
in from the beginning, because the Bible says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning then. The reason we can trust God to get behind him and allow him to lead us is because God is omniscient. God is everywhere. God is eternal. He knows the direction, not just where you're going. He knows how it's going to end up, which is why he's a good God and leads us in the right path. The reason you can trust God is he knows the end from the beginning. He knew the outcome of the fight before they ever got in the battle. Not only is it his wisdom, but God knew that they had learned a lesson when you put me, he said, he said, you've been putting me first for 40 years and you figured out I'll lead you. You figured out you can walk on dry land. You figured out when you put me first, amazing things happen. So here's how I know you're going to have the victory because you're going to put me first. Do you know how you're going to get a victory in life? God will be your priority. Put God first. Come on, everybody. Put God first. Watch this. He says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark. So all the worship leaders are up front. Then the ark is leading the people. The ark went before the people. And seven priests walked ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. That's my ram's horn. Ready? One, two, three. You, you got to help me. There's seven of them. I need at least six people to make some noise in the house. They blew some ram's horn. One, two, three. It's pretty good. Some of you might be Jewish, maybe. Let's, let's try it together. One, two, three. I felt the walls fall. Breakthroughs happening in the house. So they're carrying ram's horn. On the seventh day, you march around the town seven times. Some of you know where this is going, but I want you just to see what happens. I don't want you to take for granted. I don't want this to be a Sunday school story that you read 20 years ago. I want this to be a breakthrough moment in your life today that you can walk out here and walk into your home, walk into your career, walk into your relationships, walk into your situations, walk, in, walk into your, your bank account, walk into your IRA, your 403B, your 401K, and trust the God you serve because when you make him a priority in your life, he can do some supernatural things that nobody else is a solution to, including the person looking back at you in the mirror. The God we serve is bigger than any problem we have, but the only way we can access his promise or his power is to make him a priority in our life. They get out front, they're blowing these trumpets, and when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as you can. Let's, let's try the, I'm going to do the ram's horn, y'all do the shout. Y'all ready? This is a participator sport. Ready? One, two, three. Don't make me run around this worship center seven times. Woo! Get crazy. Now, I know this sounds foolish, doesn't it? Do you know how foolish you look sometimes serving God? If you've never felt foolish or looked foolish serving God, you ain't serving God. Because Paul said... Paul said, I'm a, I'm a fool for Christ. There's things God calls me to do that looks foolish to some people. There's some things I say, you're telling me you stop and you bow your head for a meal that you got. You pay for that meal. You work the job for that meal. God wasn't back in the kitchen. There are some chefs back in that kitchen. A waiter or waitress, God didn't bring that. A waiter or waitress, brought, no, no, no. I serve a God who's my provider, who's my strength, who's my healer, who's bigger than the market, bigger than the industry. God did it. And so you might look foolish to people. They look foolish. Come on. They look foolish marching around the walls and blowing trumpets and people shouting until the walls fell. Come on, somebody. 
See, some of you, the reason we've not seen what God wants to do in our life sometimes isn't because he's not a priority. It's because he's not a priority long enough. Sometimes we make him a priority on Sunday morning, but then Monday through Saturday, we put him second base, third base, fourth. Come on. Listen, God isn't second tier. God isn't on the list of priorities. God isn't even first on the list of priorities. God makes the priorities. That's what it means to put God first. What's it look like? Come on, I want you just to dig. What, is it look, what's it, what will it look like this week, tomorrow when you walk in the office? What will it look like in your relationships this week? What will it look like with your kids, practically, to put God for? It's not a box. What will it look like? Jesus teaches something known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's such a cool message. It's Two chapters primarily, Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. And in two short chapters, he covers everything that's a priority to many of us in this room. He, care, he, he covers emotional issues. What do you do with unforgiveness? What do you do with anger? What do you do with worry? Those are all practical to all of our lives. He doesn't just tackle emotional things. He tackles real life challenges. What do you do with relationships? Marriage, people you're in conflict with, prayer, money. Like in these two short chapters, Jesus tackles the priority of life, the things that are important to all of us. And when you read his, his, his message, when you hear what he has to say, it all climaxes in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he talks about unforgiveness and worry and fear and doubt, when he talks about money and relationships, and when he talks about prayer, when he talks about all of us, like we're all like, I want that. God, how do I get that? He answers it in Matthew 6, 33, and he says this. Every voice, read this with me. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things you want, all those things that are priority to you, all those things you're hoping, all those things you're pursuing, he says, if you put me first, all those things are going to follow. But seek first. And what's crazy is Jesus, you know who he's talking to? I mean, he's talking to us today through his word. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was talking to a Jewish, Jewish audience who for the previous 1,500 years, sometimes they put God first. And sometimes they didn't. He was talking to people who had a history of priority. The Jewish nation that he was talking to at that time, looking back to their ancestors, they knew what happened when they put God first and they knew what happened when they didn't put God first. And so Jesus, he pulls out the principle and he says, hey, let's talk about priority for a minute. He says, I know you want relationships. I know you're dealing with emotional baggage and I know there's some things you need some breakthrough on. Do you know how to get it? You're not the answer. Society, they're not the answer. Culture, they're not the answer. He says, if you want the things that are most foundational in life, they only come from me. And the only way you can get them from me is to put me, come on, say it, first. If you will seek first, is that the house for me? Before I, before I call the real estate agent, before I talk to a broker, before I go to the bank to see if I can get a loan, 
Heavenly Father, will you just help me to know if that's the right house? God, will you just lead me in the right way? Will you give me the wisdom I need? And Father, if this is the house, Lord, I just ask you to make kingdom connections. There's 50 real estate agents at every service at Faith Church, but you got the right agent for me. Lord, you got the right broker. You got the, is, is now the time to buy a house or is it later? God, I know the market's changing, but Lord, I believe you can direct me. Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm sick. I'm gonna go see a doctor. Listen, God wants you to use doctors. I believe God's good with supplements and God's okay with antibiotics and God's okay with surgery. God can allow the kingdom of health to come through lots of different means. But before I seek the doctor, before I take them, Heavenly Father, you are, you are my healer. So I'm going to seek you first. God, will you bless me? Will you give me strength? Will you help? What does it look like to put God first? It means before you do anything else and through the process of doing everything else, he is the priority and he's the first person you turn to and the last person you trust. All the way from the beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. God is first. He says, if you'll seek me first, watch, if you'll seek the kingdom first, what's the kingdom? Well, he's the king and every king is over a kingdom and every kingdom has laws. And God has laws about money and love and words and how we treat people. So what God is saying is the way you put me first isn't getting a box. None of you, don't anybody go get a funny gold box. Don't be one of those Christians. Don't get a box and put it in your front yard. It's not what he means. God, I'm gonna look to make you a priority by with your help, applying your word. I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself. I'm gonna be a tither and a giver. I'm gonna serve people around me. I'm gonna be careful with my words to speak life and not death. And God, as I put your kingdom first, I'm seeking you first. And you said, if I'll seek you first, come on, all these things will be added to you. So I asked a question when we started, what's most important in your life? Is it your marriage, family, friends, purpose, peace, love, and health? Top six answers on the board. God says, the only way you can ever truly access those six is put me first. And if you put me first, I'll, come on, this is, y'all, this is a promise. I'll add all those things to your life. Anybody here, trust the Lord. Anybody, Shoals, Lawrence, where you can trust the Lord to be faithful. <laughs> Father, we just come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we, this is so easy to preach. It's so easy to say we're gonna put you first. It's so hard. Sometimes we struggle with pride and arrogance. Sometimes we struggle with busyness and forgetfulness. Sometimes we mean to do it and don't. Sometimes we, we feel like you're too busy and Lord, you got bigger things to do than deal with us. But Father, I pray over every single person in this room that God, you would help us to make you a priority in our life. You're first. The first person we seek when we wake up. You're the last person we talk to when we go to bed. In every season and every struggle, every opportunity, God, help us to allow you to lead the way. When we face an obstacle that we don't have the solution to, God, you go first. And you can part the waters even at the deepest moment. And we face walls that we can't get over. God, you, when you're first, can bring those walls down. And so if you're here, you're struggling even with faith. Maybe you've gone through a season. You can't, I pray faith over you that you will hear the promise of your Savior, Jesus, that if you will seek first, if I will seek first, if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things 
will be added. If you're here and you're not serving Jesus, you'll never put him first. If you've never asked the Lord to be the center of your life, if you've never asked him to be your savior, I wanna give people all over this room at our campuses and online an opportunity. I'm gonna pray a really simple prayer. The Bible says that if we'll confess out of our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's our priority, if we will believe in our heart that he died for us and he rose from the dead, the Bible says that's how we're saved, that's how we're forgiven. We're all sinners who need a savior. And I want you to know that Jesus is the only one who showed up to save you. And as I pray this, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're away from the Lord, and today you wanna recommit your life to Christ. Just simple words to say, Lord, I put all my hope in you. I can trust you. Thanks for coming and dying on a cross to take my sin. Be my savior. Help me to put you first and to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen.